0: Not life isn't linear our financial situation isn't our weight loss goals aren't nothing is when you look at life from that vantage point there's gonna be ups and downs and hurdles good.
1: welcome to the Manny project podcast where we reveal true stories of health fitness exercise nutrition success and most importantly failure My name is John Meningas, and on this podcast, we hope to learn, get motivated, experiment, have fun, and be inspired. Welcome to the Manny Project Podcast. My name is John Meningas, and you are listening to episode number 27. And on this episode, I feature a friend of mine, someone that I met 11 years ago. Her name is Amanda Blau. Amanda used to live here in Toronto, but moved to Michigan, and it was really good to catch up with her because I've been following her very, very distantly on social media, and she's not the same person that I remember when I first met her 11 years ago. Since then, she's opened up her own business, Iron Journey Fitness, straight out of her basement, training clients and improving their health and fitness. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Enjoy the story, enjoy the ride, and be safe on the other side. Amanda. Hi. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good, doing good. Are you nervous?
0: I'm a little nervous, but to be honest, I'm more excited.
1: <laughs> That's good.
0: I'm like really flattered and honored that you asked me to do this. Like I don't take it lightly because this is your your thing. Like It's really important to you. And so I really appreciate being asked.
1: Yeah, this is my jam. Uh, I've honestly been enjoying doing this. This is uh, a labor of love. Uh, I got home from work like about an hour and a half ago. Uh, I'm excited to do the podcast. Like I told you, I got some notes ready for you. So don't, don't stress, don't stress. This isn't a a yes and no question. So don't worry about that. Uh, But I am excited to do this. I really am.
0: Nothing is off limits. Good. So if you have a tough question, just ask it. (laughs) I do better if I have time to reflect, but Mm. I appreciate, um, being thrown a hard ball and having to think on the spot. (laughs) So if you think of something that you think would be interesting to ask, just ask and don't be scared that you're going to offend me or ask a question where, you know, that's a little bit personal. Just ask.
1: Oh no, don't worry. Um, like the podcast is going to be pretty simple. It's going to be organic. Don't worry. We're going to talk about, obviously, you and kind of like, I want to personally dive into your story because we'll get into that afterwards. Uh, But we'll talk about you, obviously. Um, We'll talk about some of the things that you believe in, your philosophies, and like what led you to those philosophies and how to help other people adopt those philosophies as well, too. So it's going to be simple. Don't worry. Um, Honestly, once you start talking about something, it'll lead you down a rabbit hole. You'll start thinking about other things that you need to talk about, and they'll all come to you. So,
0: Sure. Yeah.
1: Uh, I'm the same way as you where I need something like I need some sort of notes to prepare me and then give me like a day or two and I'll be like I'll be I'll have every single thought I want to have yeah which is kind of why I have a podcast now because now I can actually put things into detail how I want to have it like performed right
0: yeah
1: I definitely want to talk about clients but first off I want to say thank you for joining the Manny Project podcast Um, I'm happy to have you I uh, reached out to you maybe about like a week and a half ago or so. Um, I sensed nerves right off the bat. <laughs> like deep, deep nerves. And that's okay. It's, it's perfectly fine. Yeah. Um, like I said, we can take some things out. We can throw some things in. Don't worry. Uh, but it's an open forum. And I think this is what conversation needs to be. It needs to be, you know, someone providing some piece of information. We go back and forth. And I think that's the way the world needs to operate a little bit more these days. So here's my podcast.
0: The nerves are simply like again the mindset that that I'm showing up and I'm representing myself as as my business and <laughs> okay, that gotcha I got gotcha. to be you know step away from I'm gonna step away from this podcast I'm gonna analyze every single thing that I said <laughs> and I'm gonna and I'm gonna you know and I and I that's something I have to stop doing but it's something that it's a tendency that I have and so I I want to feel good when I walk away from something and know that I, there's nothing I forgot to say or that I didn't mess up on. And so that's where the nerves come from. Yeah. But
1: but I'll I'll share something with you. I'm exactly the same way. We will get, we will get this podcast done. I'm going to load this into my computer and I'm going to dissect it, start editing like some of the things that I really like, some of the things I didn't like super love. And like, that's part of the editing process, but also the content side. Like that's me in a nutshell, like even when it comes to sports, I'll finish a game and I'll be like, the first two innings I did well, the third <laughs> yeah. inning I didn't have energy, the fourth inning I could have done, but like, I'm, I'm yeah. just that person.
0: Yeah. I'll look at a workout after I'm finished and I'll, and I'll break it down and be like, okay, I, I didn't, I didn't do this lift. Well, like my mind wasn't in it. I was distracted and I've gotten way better over time, but I think it's that type A tendency.
1: Yeah. Well, for sure. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> so speaking of that type A tendency. <laughs> yeah. What I'd like you to do is, if you can, share with me who Amanda is. Yeah. Tell the listeners about yourself. Um, Doesn't have to be about work or your profession or what you do. Just some of the things about you that our listeners would like to know about.
0: Okay, cool. Um, I grew up in Toronto, Canada. I met a guy in my uh, early 20s. We had a long-distance relationship for seven years. And then I moved uh, to a different country. And now I'm residing in Michigan. And I'm married. I um, was a dancer growing up, and I found my way into powerlifting at one point, and I fell in love with it. And so that's what I do as a hobby on the side. I actually qualified for nationals for the first time in 2020, and then it was <laughs> <canceled>. <laughs> So that's something I'm still uh, working on. And I run my own business. I'm a personal trainer and nutrition coach, and I coach clients online and also out of my basement where my gym is.
1: Nice. And, Iron Journey Fitness, right?
0: Yes. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. And I have two dog children. <laughs> and that's my life right now.
1: <laughs> what kind of dogs do you have?
0: I have a Karen Terrier, which is same okay. uh, breed as Toto from the Wizard of Oz.
1: Nice. Nice. And then
0: I have like a mix, like a Chihuahua Greyhound mix. Cool.
1: Yeah. Dogs are my life too. I only have one dog upstairs, but uh, unfortunately, when we lost our previous one, I had I'm to replace. Oh, it's okay, don't worry. A long time ago, <laughs> long time ago. Water under the bridge.
0: It's it's still it's still uh, significant though, right? Like you never forget. Is.
1: Yeah. Oh, they're children. I hate yeah. to say it, but they're children as well.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I no, I get you. They're my children. Yeah.
1: Uh, do your dogs have clothes?
0: They have, <laughs> they have winter jacket.
1: Nice. That's okay. They
0: have will they a well, they cold
1: Of course I, I, no I agree I totally agree totally agree.
0: Uh, they have booties which they hate but they are their pods are very sensitive to the salt in the winter and so they they need them because they're of in course. invisible ah. pain um, And then they also have Halloween costumes which nice. are more for me than they are for them of course. Um, but they do have a pretty substantial wardrobe at this point <laughs> yeah.
1: That's okay. As dog owners, that's what you have to do. I'm sorry. Yeah, I
0: mean, it's part of being a dog that they just kind of have to deal with.
1: Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I totally agree with you. Um, I do definitely want to touch on what got you started because you did say that you're a dancer. Yeah. For you to make that jump into powerlifting, something had to like kind of scratch that itch. Something that just like that. What was that bridge in between that got you into powerlifting?
0: actually a very long in-depth kind of dark story but I don't mind telling it because it's a it's very significant to my identity and who I am not only as a person but as a coach so I can talk about it I'd love Um, to
1: hear about it I'd love to hear like the beginnings and how everything began
0: sure so I grew up um as as a competitive dancer and It's hard to describe, but I think what I loved so much about it was the feeling of escape that it gave me, like it was a way for me to express myself. And um, I loved being active too. Um, So that was kind of my love and obsession for the first 20 years of my life. And, um, I loved it so much that I was having trouble f- figuring out what I wanted to do with my life in my late teens, early twenties. And I decided teaching fitness classes would be a ton of fun because it was very dance like, Yep. but also I would be making money. And so that was a great combination. Of course. So I went and I got certified and I started teaching uh, kickboxing classes <clears throat> Nice. Um, and I loved it, but it's really hard to do that full-time because it's exhausting.
1: Yeah. Or do like eight classes in a row.
0: Right. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, uh, two classes and I was done for the day, done for the day. So I went back and I got uh, a weekend certification to be a personal trainer. And I started working and I realized immediately that I had no idea what I was doing. And I really didn't like that. So I went back to school um, to Humber College to get um, my diploma in fitness and health promotion. And I realized very quickly that that wasn't going to be enough, that I wanted a degree. Um, And so I finished my two years at Humber and I transferred into Guelph Humber University and I got my degree in kinesiology and I just started working. And somewhere along the way, um, I had a really rough time with I was filled with feelings of pressure from my family, from my peers, from coworkers, that I needed to know exactly what I wanted to do with my life and I needed to have a plan and I needed to go to school, get an education, get a job, build a career. And and it created a lot of overwhelm and anxiety for me, a lot. And um, it started to really take a toll on me mentally and emotionally, and then as a result, physically. And I just developed some disordered eating patterns. As a result, I can't say for sure that I had an eating disorder. I was never diagnosed with anything, but it was bad enough where I lost a lot of weight and um, my hormones were completely out of whack. And because I was so skinny, I s- started hurting myself. Like I, like I, my, I developed plantar fasciitis. I, started getting tendonitis in my ankles and then tendonitis in my elbows and and then i couldn't dance anymore and that sent me into a tailspin because that was my only outlet i couldn't dance i couldn't teach fitness classes i was in so much pain all the time and so then that furthered you know the dark hole i was in and i the only thing i could control in my life i couldn't control you know the the Trajectory I was in career-wise, I couldn't control the pain I was in. I could control what I was eating, so I so that's where my energy went. And so I started, um, I started withholding food even more, and it, it just started spiraling. And then somewhere along the way, I found powerlifting, and it just looked so cool. I'd never <laughs> lifted with a barbell before. But I was always really strong naturally. And I loved feeling strong and feeling athletic. Um, So I started learning how to do it. And I fell in love right away. And the thing was that in order to get better, I had to get stronger. In order to get stronger, I had to eat more. Yep. (laughs) And so very slowly, that spiral started reversing itself. Okay. And I started healing First physically, and then mentally and emotionally very gradually, it took a while, but very gradually. And so I truly believe that powerlifting saved my life. And I'm still doing it to this day. And I'm a firm believer that, um, you know, women shouldn't shy away from lifting weights. It's very healthy. It's so empowering. And um, if it could change my life, it can change somebody else's too.
1: I agree. I totally agree. Um, The one thing that you mentioned that you had when you had dance was that you were able to escape. And I think sometimes as we get older, we sometimes don't have an ability to understand that we do need to escape. Like whatever it is in this world, there's something out there that tells you at some point, whether it's for five minutes, 20 minutes, three hours, like you just have to find something to escape with. And if that escape can help you mentally, then... Uh, you're more willing to move towards that goal. And that just so happened to be powerlifting for you. And I think that they all fed into each other, like you said, right? So.
0: 100%. What I'm learning through the work I'm doing now is that we do need an escape. But for those of us who don't have one or don't feel like we have one, we turn to food. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, it was restricting food. That was my quote unquote escape. And I was able to find something else to take the place of that, which was powerlifting. Um, So I was moving from a form of escapism that was disempowering to a form of escapism that was empowering. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of the clients that I see, they don't have something. So they turn to food to satisfy that. And so through the work that I do with them, we have to move from food, which is a disempowering coping mechanism to something else that's empowering that will bring them closer to their health and fitness goal. So that's a nice tie in there, but that's definitely some, these are all things I've noticed about myself and my <laughs> own journey only recently. Um, but I, I can see those patterns in my clients.
1: Yeah. I, I, you know, when you were a personal training before, how long were you doing personal training when you, when you realized that it wasn't for you before you went oh, back I'm to
0: still, school? I'm still doing it.
1: I know you're just still doing it, but like before you went back to school, when you first got your personal training license on that weekend, immediate. how long were you being a personal immediate,
0: trainer? Immediate, immediate. I mean, I was working at a gym for a few months before I registered to go back to school. But like, even during the certification process, I remember like I was there on day two of my certification and I was like, I'm missing a lot of information here. I don't feel confident in my ability to help somebody and I don't want to hurt anybody.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think the one thing that I also saw on your profile was that, or as actually specifically on your website, it was on your about page and you do say that I work with clients. That's a big, big distinction between some personal trainers that are out there that are looking to just, you know, work nine to five and have something comfortable or those that want to make a difference. What yeah. does working with clients mean to you?
0: You know, I... I don't wanna disparage trainers because I think that they're coming from the right place. I just think that um, the industry is a little bit broken and um, the things that our clients need from us are not necessarily the things that we're educated on in school or in our certifications. And so it's only through experience and you know continuing education that you learn how to bridge that gap. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, taking a more client, becoming more client centered in your coaching um, is something that you learn through time, but that's kind of what I've been noticing over the last 10 years in my professional career is that in school you learn, okay, all about anatomy and physiology and biomechanics and physics and ergonomics and, biochemistry but but you don't learn like why Karen can't stop going to eat ice cream when she's sad
1: <laughs> that'll deter her from her goal
0: well yeah but there's a lot going on there for her that you don't know about and you don't know how to address or talk to her about because you never learn how mm-hmm. so I'm still starting to become a lot more cognizant of that. And also understanding that for me, the gym is a very fun, exciting place, but for most people, it's a very scary place, very intimidating place. And so meeting the client where they're at, not where you'd like them to be, and just being very compassionate and understanding that they're They want to be better and they want to do better. They just don't know how. And it's your job to guide them very gently. Yeah. And don't be so hard on them when they, you know, quote unquote mess up because they don't mean to, um, they're, they're trying very hard. It's just not easy.
1: Yeah. They're definitely trying very hard. And I think what happens is, like you said, it's not easy to go to the gym for a lot of people that could be, you know, a mental struggle that some people have. Uh, physical struggles are pretty simple to decide for. So if someone has an injury, if someone's overweight, it might restrict them from doing some things physically, but I think what you touched on is extremely important and is completely missed by a lot of personal trainers out there. And again, it's not to disparage any personal trainer that's out there trying to make a living and trying to do the right thing. And I think they are overall trying to do the right thing, but like you said, sometimes they're not fully equipped with all the tools that they need in order to really successfully help somebody along the way. And yeah. I think there is now three things to training after I've actually looked more into what you're all about. And the first part's the physical, the second part's the mental, but the third part is the emotional. And I yeah. think you're trying to like strike that third nerve more intently than anything else, more before the physical, more before the mental. And it's understanding what, you know, reaches that person, you know, emotionally.
0: Yeah. Every decision that we make is governed by an emotion everything. We're emotional creatures. We're human. We're not robots. Mm-hmm. And so if a client self-sabotages or doesn't follow the plan, they're not just being lazy, <laughs> you know, that's not fair. Yeah. What they're doing is they're satisfying an emotional need that's very subconscious for them and has just become a pattern over time that they probably don't even realize is there and helping them bring about awareness around it, understand it, and then work on it with them is the only way to help them change. But, you yeah. know, just assuming that they're being lazy is not fair. No. <laughs> like, like, for me too, like, um, not everything comes easy to me. Like, I don't always make the right choices. And it's not that I'm being lazy. It's human. I have a bad day and I want my chocolate. Yeah. I'm stressed. I don't want to work out
1: either. As, as a, uh, trust me when it comes <laughs> to junk food, I am very much there with you.
0: Yeah. I think everyone needs there.
1: a release. Everyone definitely needs a release. There's no such yeah. thing as perfection and whatever you see on Instagram and you're seeing all these pictures, that's not perfection. That's not reality. No, but I think you're on the right track with like, trying to identify what someone's emotional need is. Yeah. So I know you've been in the business for the last 10 years. I believe, I believe you said. Yeah. yeah. How do you, do you find it very easy to communicate those emotional needs to your clients? Or is that something that you have to like, kind of dance that line with?
0: Depends on the person. But um, I would say that it's very new for people to have conversations about their emotions when they come to me and they're like, just tell me what my calories are. (laughs) Because I mean the fitness industry up until this point has conditioned us that diet ha- dieting happens in a specific way. You count your calories, you count your macros, you follow your meal plan and you exercise. And if you're not doing those things then you're not doing it properly and that this all comes with deprivation and restriction, and it's going to be very difficult. And if you're not following the plan, then you're being lazy and you don't want it bad enough. That's kind of what we've been conditioned to believe. Um, and that's not fair and that's not true and it doesn't have to be that way. So when a client comes to me they're expecting that. And so I start talking to them about their emotions and they're like what is what is this? And some of them, you know, are, you know, are more receptive and some of them take a little bit longer, but I think eventually once they understand the reasons why we're doing it this way, you know, they like it because it becomes, it takes a little bit longer, but it becomes easier because it becomes innate and it's not something that needs to be forced.
1: Yeah. It's not manufactured. It's it's actually real to that person.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Do your clients, I know you just kind of touched on that, but do they, are they open to it for the most part, or is it mostly a challenge for them to adapt to that?
0: Uh, again, it depends on the person, but okay. I think when someone reaches out to me, they have a good idea of, you know, what my philosophies are just based on, you know, what they've read about me and and what I talk about. And I try to set expectations. I feel like that's kind of the key for success is setting the right expectations. And so right from the get-go, I explain to them what the process is going to look like. And I, you know, set expectations around timeframes and what weight loss is going to look like and what we need to work through maybe before weight loss takes place. And, and then I, if they're comfortable with that, then we move forward. And if I'm not the right person for them, then that's totally fine. Their journey is elsewhere. Um, but for the most part, we kind of get into a groove and we just take it day by day.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, you speak about iron journey fitness, and it's been a 10 year journey into iron journey fitness as it is right now. Uh, I know that there's many hardships and many lessons that you learned along the way, whether it be, you know, personally with yourself or with your clients, what were some of the lessons that you took out of it, you know, in helping your clients, what are some of the lessons that you took personally for yourself that helped you better yourself?
0: There's a lot that just is like popping into my mind right now. The first one that I can say is that I have to release control of the outcome, which is, you know, as a trainer and a nutrition coach, I've always felt like I have to guarantee success for somebody. I have to fix them. And if I can't do that, then I've failed. And so that's been a big one for me to have to learn to let go of because I can't control somebody else's (laughs)
1: anything right
0: all I can do is the best I can to lead them down the path that I feel that they need in order to, to help them and if it's just not the right time for them if I'm not the right person for them I have to be okay with that I can't help everybody and it's not my job to fix people they're not broken they don't need to be fixed and so that's been kind of the, the biggest one for me personally. Yeah.
1: That's good. Um, we, sp- we, actually, we did talk about obviously uh, the business that you have. Um, can you share with the listeners some of the services that you offer? Is it a lot of it digital or is it mostly out of the basement of your home?
0: It's pretty much half and half. I okay. offer personal training, um, in person and then I offer nutrition coaching online Um, both for my in-person personal training clients or just for anybody that's interested. And then I also do online um, personal training programming for anybody who's interested in that as well. Good. good.
1: And what I plan on doing with this podcast, of course, is I'm going to share the links with, uh, with your business as well, too. So Um, if you have any of those specific websites or if you want me to refer them to your Facebook page, uh, we can do that afterwards. But I'm gonna have all the links available accessible for your for your account as well. So everyone can see it. Thank you. Not a problem. Um what I also (laughs) kind of wanted to talk about, and you did talk about it. Um, I know we're kind of like spitballing a little bit, but we talked about the emotional side. Yeah. And I kind of want to go down a different hole with this. So I'm gonna kind of move away from training, but I'm gonna actually move back to training eventually because it's mostly been about the business, but I also kind of want to talk a little bit more about food before we get back into what you're doing. Sure. So food wise, how do you find that you develop a strong, good relationship with food?
0: Everything we just talked about, I know we're coming back now full circle, but Mm -hmm. there's two sides of the coin, right? So when I'm working with a client, I'm trying to do two things at once. On the one hand, I'm trying to help them understand the underlying reason why they're making disempowering choices with food. What is the food, what, what is the emotional need that's being satisfied there? So that's the one part. And then the second part is actually having an action plan with when it comes to nutrition, you know, creating a, like a sleep routine, um, you know, ensuring that they're getting enough water in their day, um, ensuring that, you know, they're making, you know, making healthy choices, eating more whole foods versus more, um, you know, um,
1: processed foods processed or refined or fast foods.
0: foods. So there's both both sides, but I think the pro- the problem that I'm seeing is that. The average nutrition coaching program only tackles one half of the coin Mm -hmm. and the other half is being missed. So it's kind of combining the two that I think leads for long term, long lasting lifetime change versus short term change, which tends to be the norm where the yo-yo dieting kind of comes into play where, you know, you're good for a year, maybe two years, and then you slowly start putting the weight back on. And then you repeat the process again. So I'm trying to break that cycle by combining both sides of the coin.
1: Yeah. I think when people are just only just shown one side of the equation, it's somewhat of an easy decision because it's literally the only choice that that one person has. Yeah. Um, But I also think that that one side creates so much confusion and so much misinformation out there that I kind of want to throw a couple of misconceptions out there. And I'm going to see what you think about them. Cause I already have an idea as to what you think. I just want to see if you can, uh, if we're on the same page with this. So one of the first uh, misconceptions that are out there is what are your thoughts on diet soda versus alcohol?
0: Well, what's <laughs> the goal is the goal weight loss.
1: Um, I would just say overall, would you say that one's safer than the other? Would you gear towards one or the other yourself personally? What are your mm. personal uh, okay, takes on so- that?
0: If I'm being honest, which I like to be, alcohol is a poison and diet soda is not.
1: I'm a thousand percent with you.
0: <laughs> I'm not saying not to drink alcohol. I'm not saying you can never have wine. I'm not saying if you drink alcohol, you're poisoning yourself. What I'm saying is that there tends to be a misconception around wine is is healthy and Coke is not. but it's important to look at the whole picture. Are you going out with your girlfriends, you know, five, six days a week, and you're having three or four glasses of wine, and it's impeding on your goals and your health? Or are you just having one glass of wine a night and you're doing? I mean, so there's more context, of course, to it. Yeah. Or are you drinking like, three or four cans of soda a night and your diabetes is getting out of control and your doctor's telling you that you're going to go on insulin if you can't come. So there's lots of things that come into play here. So it's situational. Um, So I, I don't love the all or nothing scenario, but um, I will say that one is sometimes deemed better than the other, but you kind of have to look at the full picture.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's going to, sorry, go ahead.
0: I was just going to say, it's a very convoluted way of answering your question, but. That's
1: how I... <laughs> well, it's, it's never easy. It Honestly, no. is never easy. Right. Um, and I think you actually kind of squashed my second one. But my second one was, how, what are your thoughts on juice cleanses or water cleanses or well, any that's cleanse an of easy any sort?
0: That's, that's an easy one. A cleanse is a, you know, a quick fix solution to solve a very complicated problem. And usually, um, you know, created by a company and marketed by a company that doesn't have your best interests at heart. Mm -hmm. They're looking to gain financially from your pain. So I don't condone that. I don't, I don't condone that. And I don't myself sell supplements to clients.
1: Got it. Gotcha. Um, Another misconception. Do you need to count your macronutrients? Nope. (laughs) Nope. So, do you? So, I'll I'll get kind of got to ask you a weird story. Did you ever track your macros at any point in your life? Absolutely. How did it feel?
0: So, can I get into like a little bit of my methodology when I answer? 100%. Yeah,
1: 100%. Sorry.
0: So, I have all these notes in front of me, and I think this might better highlight kind of where I'm coming from with this stuff. So, all of our decisions are. Um, garnered by emotional needs, and we have six core needs that drive all of our actions. And so, for somebody like me, one of my core needs is certainty. I like to feel like I, I, I know where my life is going and that I have a plan and that I'm prepared, which is why I was nervous to come on with you because I didn't know <laughs> what questions you were going to ask and I wanted to do well and I wanted to prepare. All of these things are very important for me. When I was in my late teens, early 20s, I felt so uncertain with my life. I didn't know where it was going. And the only thing that I could control was what I ate. It provided me with a sense of certainty in my life that was missing. So for somebody whose core need is certainty, sometimes we turn to food to fulfill that. And sometimes we turn to restriction to fulfill that. And so for me personally, I counted macros for a short period of time, but it created a lot of anxiety because it brought back the disordered eating patterns that I had lived with previously. I felt I couldn't go out to eat with friends and family. Um, My husband would make me a dinner and I didn't know if I could eat it because I didn't know if it was going to fit my macros. And it kind of triggered those same disordered eating patterns and emotions. So it didn't work for me. It's a fantastic tool that might work for somebody else, but it's not necessary regardless of your goal. There's many different ways to skin the cat. So it that's why i don't prescribe to any one particular type of diet because it works for some we're all different yeah of course so of course.
1: everyone has a different does that,
0: need does that answer your question
1: it does it does okay. um because i was also in that similar mood where you know i was going out with my girlfriend for the first year and i too also had like this really thick binder And I was tracking it by the day I had my columns like lined out with perfect ruler. And I was like filling in the columns, carbs, macros, and proteins. And I was making sure or carbs, fat, and proteins. I was making sure that everything was fitting in line. But what that also took away was living life. It literally took away from, like you said, going out for dinner, eating a home cooked meal, going out and enjoying, you know, life as it's supposed to be. So I too was in that frame or I was tracking very heavily, but I also noticed that that was one of my, one of my weakest points, one of my least fulfilling and least enjoying times of life.
0: Yeah. Tracking calories and tracking macros are fantastic tools and they do help you understand what you're eating and understand, you know, what is in food. Like it gives you a lot of information and it really does educate you on, you know, you don't realize how much fat and and how many carbs are in something until you have to count it. But I think that if they're, they are great short term tools. They're not something that I would have somebody do long term.
1: Yeah. 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 I totally agree. Um, The one last misconception. And I just want to kind of throw it out there. I know we kind of squash some of them, but. Are carbs bad for
0: you? No, (laughs) no, it's so silly. No, I
1: know. I know.
0: I I mean, look at some of the fittest athletes in the world. They're eating a shit ton of carbs (laughs) and look at the way they look, look at the way they perform. What, what the misconception is that the, the things that are unhealthy the desserts, the sweets, the processed food, they are high in processed carbohydrates and fat and sugar and sodium and all these other things. But whatever, for whatever reason, they're lumped into the carbohydrate category, but there are different types of carbohydrates. And so if you're choosing healthy versions, then there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Your body does very well on carbohydrates. Your brain requires glucose and specifically women in particular we don't tend to do very well on very low carbohydrate diets because it messes with our hormones. Mm. So if a training program or a coach or a nutrition program doesn't have any flexibility in it, and you're finding that, you know, you're feeling restricted and it's not working, trust your intuition.
1: Yeah, I agree. Flexibility is one thing that you mentioned. And I think that's something that all of us need to practice in some way, shape or form. Because if we become too restricted, if we become too stringent on one specific thing, we're we're only focusing on that short-term goal. So I think, like you said, that flexibility is something that we all need to practice, but also need to be able to exercise that muscle just like you would with any other muscle on your body. Like practice being flexible and practice, you know, maybe some specific diets or maybe practice something that's more wholesome and something that's more emotionally fulfilling for one person, right?
0: And I understand that that's very you know, difficult in practice, like to figure out like what that actually looks like for you. But I think that that's why it's so important to find a coach that you trust because they will help you figure out what that is for you, because what's flexible for me will be different than what's flexible for you. And the word moderation is so vague. Like, what is that? Well, that's (laughs) going to be different for me. It's going to be different for you. It's like, what does that look like? So you have to find somebody to guide you to walk that fine line in someone that you trust that's going to be able to help you navigate that for a short period of time I think we all need I have coaches I have like three or four coaches myself and I wouldn't be where I am without my coaches this isn't stuff that's just like inherent and intuitive so I I'm all for you know finding a good coach that can you know take the guesswork away
1: I agree. I agree. And especially for someone like you, you're probably going to have significantly different needs than anyone else. And in those needs, obviously, it leads towards performance and some of the things that you do as well. So uh, let's talk about some powerlifting. Sure. I, I know that. So actually, I'm going to go back to a little bit. I'm going to actually go back about 10 years. So we obviously know Talia. I'm going to name drop yeah. her. So, Hi,
0: Talia. I love
1: you. <laughs> hopefully, she watches this or listens to it. <laughs> But let's go back 10 years. I think it's actually about 10 years, maybe 11 years or so. But I I want to say about 11 years or so. 11 years ago or so, I think I met you for the first time. Could have been friend function. I actually think I went to your house one time. And I think we're going towards a party.
0: Possibly.
1: I remember going to your house and I remember where it was. I'm not going to name drop any streets, but I think I remember where your house was. (laughs) But I remember meeting you for the first time. And like you said, you were that skinny individual, someone that was like, I hate to say it, but very skinny.
0: Very, very i was 89 pounds
1: <laughs> jesus yeah but you guys were like a, a crew like, like a crew of dancers so yeah. i knew kind of what i was getting into like body type wise and like just i had this perception of what a dancer was yeah so i remember about 11 years ago meeting you and then somewhere along the lines i remember seeing going to crossfit vaughn yeah pretty sure i ran into you there as well too and you're like got to try this out one time, John, you got to come out and try it out. And I was like,
0: I vaguely remember this.
1: <laughs> oh, I used to work right beside it. Of course. If you remember.
0: At this, was it at the sport. national sports? That's so funny. Oh my God.
1: <laughs> but I ran into you there and you're like, John, you got to try it out. 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 And I never tried it out. Mm-hmm. What are some things that you learned, you know, about CrossFit first that got you kind of moving towards that? Maybe that, that powerlifting line.
0: Well, just like everything else, there's good and bad, right? Um, if, you're, if you're breaking down CrossFit into its most fundamental parts, it's a f- form of physical activity that has lots of compound movements in it that are extremely important to um, develop strength, speed, coordination, power, stability, strength, fat loss. So that's fantastic. And it's gotten millions of people off the couch and into fitness, Mm -hmm. which is fantastic. But on the flip side, there's an element of, um, how do I put this? Um, I, I feel like the CrossFit mentality is that more is better. Mm. Um, and for somebody like me and maybe like you where we're a little bit more type a that can be a little bit of a slippery slope yeah. without yeah. the proper coaching which I didn't have um, so for me someone who was you know if I thought that three days a week was good then four or five six days a week was better so you know, I found my way eventually. And I think powerlifting helped straighten that out for me where it was a lot more structured, but I think that that's the one thing that not all CrossFit gyms, but some of them might be lacking is, um, working with clients, um, to let them know, you know, proper rest and recovery is just as important as the fitness itself.
1: That's important. It's extremely, extremely important. And I hate to say it, but it absolutely took me, I want to say about 10 plus years of actually being in the fitness industry, whether that be going to the gym and working out, that was the flip side. It was the other side of the equation that was probably more important than actually being in the gym itself.
0: Most people don't overexercise, but they drastically under recover. Yeah. It's, re- it's actually very difficult to overexercise um, most of the time what's happening is we're under recovering. We're not getting enough sleep. We're not eating enough. We're not stretching. Like we're not, you know, there's no, um, mental,
1: you know, we're not handling,
0: yeah, exactly. Stress management. So, you know, our body can only handle so much stress and there's many different forms of stress and, exercise is another form of stress. And so when you have all of these different stressors in your life and you start adding six days a week of exercise to it, you're going to reach a critical mass point. Yeah.
1: Yeah. As a type A personality, how do you know where that line is to determine whether or not you're going too far? Was it only specifically like directly from that coach to say, all right, this is where you should be let's maintain this regimen as it is. Or like, where did you find, how did you find out that like going to that specific line was going too far?
0: I never had guidance ever. Mm -hmm. So it was through trial and error. It was through um, eating to the point where I was almost killing myself. It was through over-exercising to the point where I was always injured. It was (laughs) a very long, slow process. And like, you make the decision, and it's a bad one and then you're like okay maybe maybe i need to pull back next time but you don't exactly know what that looks like so you make the same mistake again and you're like okay well okay now i understand a little bit better and then you know you're good for a little bit and then you make the mistake again and so it's like gradually through trial and error you figure it out and now after you know 10 plus years of you know of training years under my belt i'm learning to trust my body and what it's telling me and I still make mistakes because I'm human. We all do. We all do. all do. I under eat. I under sleep. I push too hard in training. I, you know, something hurts, but I don't listen and I work through it. And I'm like, I shouldn't have done that. So, I mean, I'm only human. And despite, you know, studying this stuff and training for 10 years, I, I still make mistakes. So there's no perfect, but I never had a coach to guide me. So I had to learn through trial and error.
1: Yeah. And I think a lot of people do that. And there's nothing wrong with learning through trial and error. It's sometimes the best lesson.
0: Yeah. It just takes a long time. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a lot of heartache involved, right? Yes. So I always um, push for getting coaching, just even just for a short period of time. So you can learn and you don't have to make 10 years of mistakes first.
1: Yeah. And I, I think even... To some degree, I think 10, 10 years of mistakes is obviously in a very, very long time to make mistakes. So hopefully you learn something over the first or second year, but I also think that it's, it's good that someone would go through that process because it, it kind of gives them the calluses. It gives them the understanding that if they can get through it and it takes them five or 10 years, it goes back to something that you kind of said at the beginning. Like it, it doesn't really matter how long it takes to get there with that expectation, as long as you kind of get there.
0: Oh, even with the coach, you're still going to make mistakes because you're not going to listen to the coach.
1: Right. (laughs) This is true.
0: I mean, I see that all the time because I'm a coach, (laughs) but at least like you have some, you have an ear and a voice to fall back on to, to, you know, guide you through that. But yeah, we, a lot of the time we have to make the mistake in order to learn from it.
1: Yeah. And I want to definitely dig into this because for someone specifically like you, that is definitely performing recovery is probably now becoming a big part of your life. So how do you, what does recovery look like for you? And what is your like overall philosophy on recovery? Does it include like a lot of water? Does it include a lot of stretching? Like what does recovery and, you know, pulling back mean to you?
0: I guess as far as my philosophy on recovery goes, it has to be like holistic. And what I mean by that is, it has to come from all different aspects of life. So I like to use an example with my clients where I show them a photo of a stress web and there's all different kinds of stress in our lives. There's um, social, there's economic, there's professional, there like there's all different, all, all of these things accumulate in their different forms of stress. And so you wanna go through the stress web and identify what are the areas that I need to work on the most that are the ones that are providing the most stress for me and honing in on those things. um, first tackling the big rocks first, and that could be sleep lack of sleep is a form of stress. Mm -hmm. So that could be creating a sleep routine. That could be, um, maybe there's some, another form of stress that's, um, keeping you up at nights so you can't get the quality of sleep that you want so then it's figuring okay what is that and how can i tackle that so that i can improve sleep by proxy so it's kind of like a multifaceted kind of thing it's really difficult to kind of just pick one um you, you want to start small for me in particular um my biggest forms of stress would be related to my job, but more mindset related. So, um, I have a lot of conversations with clients that are very emotional and it's hard to, to kind of drop that and move on to the next thing after a call. Sometimes it's, I sit with it okay. and that takes its toll on me. And so I yeah. have to, oh, yeah.
1: My,
0: So for me, it's coming up with ways to release that. So it's not weighing on me by the end of the night. So meditation, going for walks. um, Those are kind of the two big ones for me.
1: Meditation, going for walks. Yeah. Two.
0: For me, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's good. And I I think a lot of people don't really have a lot of those recovery mechanisms to help them. So uh, meditation, going for walks and I'm sure obviously working out will give you some of that release as well too. Yeah. But through meditation, like how did you come across meditation? Is it something that you were taught? Is it something that specifically that you practice? Is there somewhere that you learned it? I'm very new to meditation. I've never practiced it once, but I've heard it multiple times. Where would I even begin as someone that doesn't know much about meditation?
0: So when I was younger, someone would say, just meditate. I'd be like, Oh, that's so <laughs> boring. Like, stop. It was something that definitely took some time for me to kind of understand. And I don't think that there's one way to go about it. Meditation for me can look different than meditation for you. So I can't speak to what would work for you. But for example, if I have a client coming to me and we talk about meditation, it's something that they want to try. There's many different ways that we can go about it. There's many apps that you can download and, you know, one, one that my husband uses, for example, is he has trouble sometimes falling asleep at night. So there's uh, a nighttime meditation app that he puts on in his headphones and it kind of takes him through a guided med sleep meditation. And after like 30 minutes, it just shuts off. And by then he's already asleep. And every time he listens to it, he falls asleep immediately.
1: <laughs> so um, it works. It works
0: for him. It works. Yeah. yeah. Um, For others, it can be something like um, doing a brain dump before bed. So sitting down and writing all your thoughts and emotions on a piece of paper, getting it out of your head and onto a piece of paper kind of frees your mind a little bit and it makes it can make it easier to fall asleep. For me, it's just lying there and just breathing deeply. Mm, And I don't have to be thinking about anything in particular thoughts come and go, but it provides me a space in my day where i'm not running around just checking off things on the to-do list it's just like a momentary breather in my day <laughs> for somebody else who doesn't who's not quite there yet it might be taking 2 seconds in the middle of a hectic day and just doing a 5 second breathing exercise so i start really small with clients and we discuss different possibilities and we kind of go from there but it, there's many different ways to go about it.
1: Yeah, I agree. Definitely multiple ways that you can go about it. And something that really worked for me, and one thing I want to steal from that was basically uh, putting all your emotions and thoughts and feelings onto a piece of paper. Uh, I'm a pen and paper guy. I'm also a type A personality. So when it comes to checking off those boxes, sometimes when I go to sleep, I'm still checking off other boxes. You know what I mean? So I'm going to definitely try to practice that. I'm stealing that one for myself, but... <laughs> One other thing that I did really like and uh, something that really I find really works for me is because I'm that guy that likes ticking off those boxes, that means that you're always on. Like yeah. something is always spinning and something is always on. And for me, to, yeah. a way to actually stop that is literally to stop and then just like literally focus on my nose and focus on like the amount of like air coming up my nose and then filling up my lungs and then slowly releasing. It. And I think that finally slows everything down for me. The um,
0: visualization aspect of it.
1: Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Just also taking the time for yourself, like you're breathing yeah. for yourself to make yourself better. And just something as simple as that, of being more mindful about that, you know, just before you go to sleep, I find is always a nice cleanse to actually help you try to sleep.
0: What I like to tell people is that you can't control necessarily the things that cause stress in your life. You're always going to have work deadlines. You're always going to have a mortgage to pay. You're always going to have a family to look after but you can control the way that you manage that stress. So it's coming up with techniques to manage stress, not necessarily to get rid of stress.
1: Mm -hmm. Stress (laughs) is always going to be there.
0: Yeah. Reducing these effects of the stress on your mind and your body.
1: Yeah. So speaking of that stress, are there any specific tools or any specific things that you do to help you manage that stress throughout the day?
0: Me in particular?
1: You in particular, you in particular.
0: A big one for me is getting outside midday and taking my dogs for a walk. It just breaks up the day. I I have to leave work behind. I can't bring it with me. And it gets me away from my computer, outside of work mode, and just there's just something about being in nature with the with my animals that puts things into perspective there's so much more out there than me and my computer and my job and your cell phone and it you know (laughs) yeah yeah and so having that degree of perspective i come back and i feel so much more rejuvenated
1: and productive that's awesome
0: and less like uh concerned with every single minutiae you know
1: yeah You get to enjoy the simple things of, I hate to say it, but I I just took my dog out uh, not too long ago. Um, But you get to enjoy the simple things of watching them run around and enjoy the smaller pleasures because we look at something so complicated all the time. We look for that one thing to find to, you know, we look at that one thing to give us the most amount of joy in like sometimes the least amount of time. But, you know, you've got to be realistic. But for a dog, it's something as simple as like going outside. Well,
0: we build up these things in our lives and you know to us they feel so important and like a be all and end all and like we can't survive if this one thing doesn't get done but then you look at your animal and you're like (laughs) there are more important and bigger things than this to-do list
1: there definitely are there definitely are so how are you finding your personal training going so far at home Are your clients back to full speed? Uh, Hopefully the pandemic has kind of like turned that curve in that corner for you or what's life like for you nowadays?
0: So I love training clients in my basement. So, so, okay, let me just give the listeners a bit of a background. So I opened up my own business September, 2019 officially was when I started with my very first client for my business. Um, my personal business in my basement and I was so excited and I started slowly building and, and I didn't think anyone was going to want to train with me in my basement. Like, <laughs> I mean, I'd only ever worked in big gyms, which were very professional looking and they had all of the the things and the, you know, had
1: plenty of <laughs> structure.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> not for a personal trainer, but, um, but you know, there's like a, you know, there's a name behind you that people trust, right? So I didn't have that trust factor yet with people. So mm-hmm. then the pandemic hit six months later and I had to shut down. And then once I reopened, I had to build back up from scratch again, but I'm at a place now where I'm so happy. That's good. I don't have to commute to work. The clients come to me. It's very private. It's one-on-one. I can book clients when I want. I can handle the sessions how I like. I can provide services that feel good for me. So I'm really happy.
1: That's good. That's good. What do you find the most fulfilling part of your job?
0: I love when, because there's all, it's always the same thing. Clients come in, they come down to the basement where the gym is, and they, I, I can just see it on their face. They're scared. They're overwhelmed. They don't feel like, um, like they can do it. And then we just get started with something that's manageable, that kind of builds confidence. And they leave feeling so empowered. And to watch somebody lift something for the first time that they never thought they'd be capable of and to watch them do it and feel so good about it, it's so life-changing.
1: Of course, yeah. You know, and it
0: changes their entire identity about who they perceive themselves to be. Like I have a client who's a high-level employee at a a global international company. He's never lifted a weight in his entire life, feels so out of place in a gym, has never wanted to set foot in a public gym, because he feels uncomfortable and he's squatting with a barbell. He's deadlifting. He's doing all these incredible things. And it's so exciting for him to be like, I can do this.
1: To gain that confidence.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: That yeah. confidence and that pride.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like he's not uh, like a non-gym person. Like now he's somebody that can do it. Like his entire identity has shifted.
1: Yeah. Um, that's one thing that completely shifted for me. Um, I'm by far not a massive power lifter. I'm not a massive crossfitter personally. But what I do really enjoy is that high of being able to do, for example, something like a compound lift. I started, uh, I'll give you kind of a small background. Yeah. Um, before all the gyms closed down and all that closures happened, um, I did venture into the world of power lifting not to the form that you do, but just to get used to the motions first. And sometimes that starts with like literally the barbell
0: yeah,
1: and then the barbell plus five and then the barbell plus 10 and you start to slowly build yourself up. But I remember what that rise was like, that rise of confidence when you're going from like five to 10 to 25 to 45 plate. And I think that's probably, that's not even probably, that is the most fulfilling part about, you know, helping others reach those goals.
0: Or watching somebody squat without pain for the first time. Mm. Or like I had a client who came to me. um, He had just gone through reconstructive ankle surgery after an injury and he had constant nerve damage in his foot. And within six months he was doing um, ladder drills.
1: Oh goodness. Nice agility drills. He,
0: He went from not being able to walk without pain to doing agility drills hopping around on one foot.
1: Wow. Good friend.
0: Like that's huge. Like you said, life altering. Yeah. Yeah. So to me that's super, like there's nothing better.
1: There's nothing more fulfilling than that. Yeah. No. That's awesome. Um, describe for me and for the listeners what your gym looks like. Cause I kind of saw some pictures. What's in your gym. What do you have? What do you use? What are your main staples that you love?
0: So my philosophy when it comes to personal training is um, it's very important to build a solid foundation first and without it, that's where injuries happen and that's where plateaus happen too. So I'm all about long-term sustainable change. And so I don't just have somebody come to me just burn as many calories in a session as possible and have them leave feeling completely exhausted. It's figuring out what are the, what are the things that they need that will lead to the biggest changes in results for them over time. Um, So usually I have clients come to me with very weak core, very weak glutes, very weak upper back. So their entire posterior chain is super weak. Their, their hip flexors are tight. Their pecs are tight. It's a lot of the same stuff <laughs> just because our anatomy only differs so much. And we have a society in which we sit a lot. Yeah. So um, the exercises that I tend to incorporate tend to be more um, co- core strength-based to start. And then we focus on building the posterior chain. So working on their glute strength, working on their upper back strength and building their hamstrings. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really depends on the person, but I love doing sled work with people nice. just, just gets their heart rate up, but it also helps build strength. Um, we do a lot of squatting. Um, my personal favorite is the reverse hyper. I don't use that with everybody because <laughs> it's a pretty advanced machine, but my glutes are weak so that's the one I love and then I have a machine called the pendulum squat which is not a machine that okay. um yeah it's not a machine that you're going to find in, in a gym so that's special to me it's kind of like a hack squat okay um but it's on an angle so it provides a lot more it's a more quad yeah, per, dominant yeah more quad dominant movement and so that is one of my go-tos as well nice,
1: nice. Uh, You touch on something. What is the importance of core strength? Because a lot of people don't value core strength or people think that core strength is a six pack.
0: No, I love this question. Okay. (laughs) This is the meat and potatoes of what I do. Okay. So they don't understand the importance of core strength. That's the problem. So our spine runs through the center of our body and there's all these muscles that surround it that make up our core. So our core is not just our six pack muscles, (laughs) it goes a lot deeper than that and it wraps around our spine and it includes our hips as well. Mm -hmm. So when your core is strong and you're able to contract it under load properly, all the muscles around the spine contract and squeeze the spinal column together to keep it in a stable position. If we're unable to do that, there will be micro movements that happen in our spine and in our hips and in our shoulders and micro movements under load over time will lead to injury. So building stability, specifically core stability is super important because it prevents those micro movements that leads to wear and tear.
1: Mm -hmm. What are some of the more common core injuries or common core issues i guess that you would come across with some of your clients whether they're most likely that they're new because you're coming in to see a different approach when they come to see you most likely
0: um so it's something called anterior pelvic tilt which is you know if 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 you're a woman and you've been told like you stick your butt out a lot because your back is super arched it's not just that you're sticking your butt out. It's that your glutes are weak and your core is weak and your hip flexors are tight. So that's kind of um, like an imbalance that I see quite commonly mm-hmm. specifically with women. So it's, that's tends to be something that leads to low back pain, which is super, super common. It's one of the most common causes of pain in the human body is lower back pain. And for, that a lot of, for a lot of people. For, for like 99% of the population. If they're, if they have lower back pain, it can be due to a muscle imbalance. And it's important to build up core strength in order to prevent that from happening.
1: Yeah. What are some of the, so I know a lot of people are at home, gyms are closed. Mm -hmm. What are some things that some people can do, you know, perhaps on a budget or without very minimal equipment that can help alleviate some of that stress of, you know, having that anterior pelvic tilt and having some lower back pain. Are there any things that you, around the house that you can probably recommend to somebody to try in order to, you know, alleviate some of that stress or maybe improve that core strength?
0: The most important thing is stretching. Every you mean it's not a sit up? <laughs> no. <laughs> stretching I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Don't worry. Stretching is one of the most important things and we don't do it. Um, and that's why we're in pain all the time. So, um, even even if it's just getting up three times in the middle of your workday and just going for a walk around your kitchen and coming back and sitting down. Getting up, getting some blood flow moving. Mm-hmm. Um, st- stretching, Big. creating a routine around adding stretching into your life. And um, I mean, you don't necessarily need to have a gym at your disposal in order to get a good workout in. But I will say... Um, slow things down, focus on holding things for long, making the muscles work um, and slowing the movements down a little bit. It doesn't have to be fast. The muscles actually work really nicely when you slow things down. And so I think would increasing the, like lowering the tempo so that you're moving through the motions slower and holding things for longer versus just um, trying to to do things quickly in the order- quickest motion. Yeah. Like staying away from like the plow metric, more jumping exercises and focusing on the traditional strength training exercises that are more lower impact. They require you to move slower and that's really going to build stability.
1: Yeah, I agree. I found that my best time training over the last 12 years. And again, I've been at the gym for a very, very long time. Uh, pandemic hits gym on and off because it was closed. It was open. And I ended up deciding just to do my own home gym because I was frustrated with the opening and the closing of the gym. So I was like, you know what? I'm not going to depend on them to do the gym. Um, However, the one thing that I noticed that really helped me last year specifically with training is exactly what you're talking about. And I find that time under tension is the most important thing when it comes to developing strength. And I think that's what you're talking about. Spending more time in that tense mode.
0: This is exactly what I'm talking about. And the reason for that is because it increases stability around the joint mm-hmm. when we move quickly through movements a lot of the time if if those muscles aren't developed so plyometric movements actually are designed for for bodies that have a lot of stability already Yep. they're power movements you need a, you need to produce stability in order to produce power yep. but What's happening is, you know, the average person that hasn't taken the time to develop that are doing those types of exercises and they don't have that stability yet. And so they have all those micro movements happening around the joints and, you know, in the spine and the hips and that's leading to injury. So, yeah, slow things down.
1: Yeah, slow things down is big. And I think that's like absolutely impressive for something and someone like you, um, to be very honest, when I go back to Amanda that I met back 11 years ago. I would have never, ever, ever thought that I would have ever seen you powerlifting ever in my life when I saw you back then.
0: Well, I was 22. I was uneducated and I was very sick. <laughs> I was. I, we, I'm not, we were all new. Yeah. We were all I mean, new
1: to this, right?
0: I, I've learned a lot. So <laughs> yeah, I would hope that I'm a different person now.
1: Of course. Of course. Yeah and obviously you've developed to become a powerlifter. So what does that kind of look like for you now? So I know that you mentioned that you qualified for the nationals last year. Yeah. What is that like what does that frame look like for you now? Are you building back up towards that? Is there a target date that you're trying to aim for?
0: Yeah. It was a major mental thing for me because I've been powerlifting for 10 years, I qualified for nationals, then it was canceled. And then I was supposed to compete this year, um, but there was a cap on the lifters. And when I went to register, it had filled up already only in the women's division and only in my weight class. Of course. And I was like, oh my God. So I had to make a decision. Am I going to just, cause I was planning on retiring from powerlifting. Right. So I had to make a decision. Am I going to retire now? Or am I going to dedicate another year and i and i decided to dedicate another year. So
1: congratulations. My- <laughs> Good luck. Good luck.
0: My workouts are a lot more mental than physical at this point. Um I don't know how to explain that to somebody that doesn't do what i do, but um you know, there's a mental component to to athletics and you have to be able to push past the doubt.
1: Mhm.
0: The doubt and the pain.
1: I think it's also doubt and pain, but I also think it's experience that you're, you're feeling right now. Like I understand there's a mental side to training, but I also think that there's literally physical experience that comes with being in the game for as many years as you have been that you kind of know where you need to push and you're going to be strategic about it. If that makes sense?
0: That's actually a very, very astute point. Yes. Um, And it's also like,
1: it's not like you could like, it's one thing to push yourself every single day, Monday to Friday. And so you're going to hit your max every single day, but you're also now in the game that you've been long enough so that you can say, you know what? I'm not feeling it today. So I'm not going to go there or tomorrow. I'm going to like really check in and say, I'm going there. I'm going to a dark place.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, it depends on the program. Like, sure. obviously, I'm not going to max out every single week. That doesn't make any sense.
1: <laughs> of course.
0: And that's obviously also something that I've learned in the last <laughs> 10 years, because I, I wasn't aware of that 10 years ago. But it's also like what I mean by mental also is that my gym is in my basement. When I go down there, I'm by myself.
1: I see what you're saying. There's yeah. no
0: energy there.
1: Yeah, I, see I what you're have saying.
0: to bring the energy. You got
1: to bring it. Yeah, I get it. I get it.
0: And so when I have clients come to me and they're like, well, I'm just not motivated. Hello. <laughs> I'm the same way. I don't want to This is to my house. Off. Yeah. I don't want to <laughs> get off the couch <laughs> and go downstairs and experience pain on a, on a mental level, not physical. Sure, sure. But like, I'm not always motivated, but you kind of have to figure out a way to get motivated. Yeah, in the moment. Um, And so that's kind of been a big one for me in the last year. But it's also just like, um, I've been doing the same three lifts over and over and over again for 10 years. It's very (laughs) repetitive. So it's also that too, like the monotony and the repetition. So there's a lot of things that I'm kind of like working through right now, psychologically, which has been tough about doing this again, another year but um, it's about finding like the excitement in each individual workout and focusing on that versus like, Hey, this is where I'm at for the next two hours (laughs) (laughs) because it's always going to be a grind. Of course. Yeah. So
1: are you building up to specific dates? When's uh when would it be for next year?
0: I'm just kind of, I'm taking a bit of a mental break right now. I'm not powerlifting super seriously right at this moment, but I'm going to be starting back up again at the end of next month. Good. Um, and I'm working with a new coach and um, I might be switching federations. I haven't thought everything through yet, but it's probably going to be exactly in another year. Okay. Yeah.
1: Help me out here. So I'm not into that world. Yeah. I maybe put like my pinky into that world, but I'm not into yeah. that world whatsoever. Yeah. What are your three lifts and like, what are your, what are your best at your three lifts?
0: I'm by far uh, my best lift is the bench press. And okay. I know that might be surprising, but I just have a really good upper body strength for my size. And that's always been my most consistent lift.
1: Okay.
0: Um, by far my weakest lift is my squat. Okay. Um, and that, um, has to do with some hip stability that I've been working through. And that's why building stability is so important is because if it's not there, it's going to be holding you back at some point. Um, and I'm, I would say I'm a decent deadlifter. Um, the deadlift for me is more mental than anything else. Okay. Yeah.
1: Um, help me out here. Cause <laughs> I don't bench. Yeah. I don't bench at all. What's your, what's your, what's your, I don't want to say it this way because it's not about bro science. Not about like how many plates do you do? What do you bench?
0: What is my max bench or what? what I don't,
1: I don't like to classify it as max bench because everyone's like, well, that means you can do that like all the time.
0: I can hit 175 on any given day.
1: Goodness. Good for you. Yeah. I could barely hit
0: 135. not Not a bench press guy. You know what? I'm going to say this. The average person doesn't need to bench press.
1: I agree. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So that's fine.
1: Yeah. I'm not a bench press guy, but I just want to say that you will definitely out clean, out bench me by like two plates, probably.
0: But that's not your thing.
1: I know. I know. I know. But, you know, it's just such a. If I trained it, I could get there.
0: If you trained it, you'd have 175 in like a month. (laughs) Uh, Like, honestly. But the average person doesn't need to bench press. I don't really bench press with any of my clients. They're not powerlifters, so um, that's just kind of the sport that I do.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. But I just like kind of want to throw that little fun jab in there because I am not a bench presser, and I'm not gonna lie. If you bring me to a gym, put like two tens on the side, I'm good. Maybe two, maybe a twenty-five on both sides. But
0: but how many reps honest. would you be doing with it?
1: Honestly, you really want to know.
0: Well, the like in your average training session, what's your typical rep range?
1: Ooh, average training session. My rep range is anywhere from like 14 to 20.
0: Yeah, mine is between one and five.
1: Sure. So So it'll probably bring your number. I get it. Brings your number down, but still trust me, my, my one RM like is not going to be anywhere close to that. So I And if
0: I were to try to do 20 reps, it would just be with the bar because I don't have that kind of endurance. (laughs) (laughs) So it's just because we're, we're adapted to different types of training. Sure. That's what you're good at.
1: Yeah. I know. I know. It's it's always fun to just kind of compare because I see what you can do. And I've seen some pictures of what you can do. I'm like, Jesus, I I can't fucking do any of that.
0: And I can't do what you do. (laughs) I don't have the capacity. I just, I burn out. I just can't. (laughs) Two reps is like my sweet spot. If I feel really good at two. And if I have to do five, it's like, Oh, dear Lord. And then if I have to do more than five, like if I have a (laughs) If I have to do eights, Jesus, that's like, that's a very (laughs) grueling training session, mentally, physically, and emotionally.
1: Mentally. I have even, okay, so this is something now I got to really dig because you just said something that is kind of triggering, not triggering, not, not not in a bad way, but it's something that's kind of like struck a chord with me for you to mentally get into that frame to like get to one, maybe two, maybe three, like how far deep down the hole do you have to go?
0: this is a really good question. So when I was, when I was new to lifting, I was under the impression that you had to go to a very deep, dark place in every (laughs) single training session in order to be, but that's not necessarily true. Like over time, over time, it's more, you know, just focus your attention on what you're doing. If I'm in competition mode and I'm at a meet, that's different because I'm going for a max attempt that I've never attempted before. And you kind of have to pull on something for that. But in a typical training session, like I don't want to get emotional for every single lift. I want to be calm, cool, and collected. It's a training session. I don't want to be missing reps. I don't want to be like shaking all over because that's going to not only um, wear me out, but it's not conducive to um, like, not I think contain- it's, sustainable. <laughs> it's not sustainable and, and i it doesn't like it, it throws off my focus and it throws off my quality of lift so it's more like put on some music that makes me upbeat and feel good and like not be on my cell phone scrolling between lifts but sit there and like visualize what the next lift is going to look like and feel like and like be present
1: mm, that's good yeah. So you don't go, so maybe you did before, but did you ever go to that deep, dark place?
0: Only if it's like a max attempt.
1: And like competition, and possibly.
0: In competition, definitely not during the bench press, mostly during the deadlift. I have to, fo- the bench press is so technical. Um, it's more like the deadlift. All you do is you pick it up off the floor. So it's like, now's your chance to go to your dark
1: place. <laughs> <laughs> I only mentioned that because that, is really interesting about powerlifters. I don't know whether it's a deep, dark place or if it's like a visual, visualization stage that you have to hit in order to get there. Uh, but for me, I always was under the impression that it had to be a deep, dark place. It had to be a deep, dark place, a lot of swearing, a lot of anger in order to mo- make that movement happen. But it's really interesting that you're using more visualization, a little more technique and more understanding that you know I need to operate a specific way to get there
0: think it's the difference between a new athlete and an experienced athlete.
1: Mm, I like that. Yeah. I like that. I always kind of round up this podcast in a very specific way. I don't have kombucha and I can't deliver it to you in uh, Michigan, but I want to see if you can offer uh, some of the listeners three pieces of genuine good health advice that they can leave this podcast with to know that they can live a healthier lifestyle.
0: I am going to tell you the secret to a long, healthy life.
1: Ooh, for free? Okay?
0: Literally, this is all <laughs> you have. I mean, this is what it is. And it, it it's easier said than done, but this is what it is. Sleep seven to eight hours of night. Drink, you know, 60 ounces of water a day. Manage your stress. Exercise three to four days a week, preferably with some strength training in there and um, eat whole foods. Stay away from, you know, minimize processed foods and have lots of protein and vegetables in your diet.
1: That's too easy. That's not, that's not sexy enough.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, That's the thing is it's not sexy. So it doesn't, I know,
1: sell, but I know.
0: that's all it takes. It's just, you have to do it consistently. hmm doing it for a few months here and there is not enough. It has to be consistent. I agree. I agree.
1: Thank you everyone for listening to this episode of the Manny Project Podcast. Don't forget to download, like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. You can now listen to the Manny Project Podcast now on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. You can also visit our Facebook page and our YouTube channel at The Manny Project. And you can also visit our Instagram page for the latest updates and upcoming guests at the.manny.project. Be safe, everyone.